0: Hi, I'm Jerry Grant, and this is a series of programs we're calling Disc Jockey Confidential here on WVUD and WVUD HD1 Newark, the voice of the University of Delaware. I'll be interviewing some of my fellow VUD jocks to find out what path they took to arrive here at the radio station. We'll discuss their earliest experiences with music and radio and how those experiences inform their own show currently on WVUD. Today's guest is Ellen Ellis, longtime host of The Green Willow of our evening program here on WVUD for many, many years. Ellen, how are you doing?
1: I'm fine. How are you, Jerry? I'm good.
0: I'm good. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the program as it exists today?
1: Okay. The name of my program is The Green Willow. It was started by Michael Dinsmore back in 1983 or 4. And when I joined the station in 1986, I came on the air on January 1st, 1987. So I've been here for 31 years. I was doing The Roots Show. And somewhere after that time, I I think it was probably at least a year, Michael asked me if I'd like to alternate with him. The Green Willow was one hour long, and it was on Saturday morning, pretty early. Um, It moved to Wednesday night, maybe about 1988. And we have been on Wednesday night ever since. The show is uh, Celtic music. I play Celtic music from all the different Celtic lands and any Celtic music that is um, from America or Canada or, you know, Celtic music comes from so many different countries. Everybody wants to play it. And there are a lot of good musicians in countries other than Ireland and Scotland. And uh, I, I lean heavy on the folk side. Not on the Celtic rock side, though. I will play some Celtic rock. I don't play much bag rock, which is Celtic music with a lot of heavy drums and loud guitars and stuff oh, like okay. that. Yeah,
0: it's it's more. Um, and what did you call that? What kind of rock? Bag rock. I, big, thought were, I thought you were gonna. Oh.
1: Big, big bagpipes. Oh bagpipes. Right, that's what I thought you were bag gonna say. Rock, right. Yeah, big. Uh, uh, and then there's also kind of Celtic music that. Uh, you might get in a pub or a bar that also uh, leans very heavily on uh, electric music. And in the early days, I did really like folk rock, and I played a lot of Steel Ice Band and Fairport Convention, but so much very traditional and very um, new style, traditional, much uh, very crisp part of the folk uh, revival is also the Celtic revival. Okay. It seems to keep reinventing itself about every 8 or 10 years. And uh, the music is really good. The musicians, the older musicians are still there, but younger musicians come up and they have a, a new take. And I'm very excited by what I hear from some of the younger musicians. So um, I get music uh, from all different places. I try and play the more, the more traditional music on the cutting edge, because okay. that makes sense.
0: Gotcha. Let's go back a little bit here. Um, uh, can you tell me where you were born?
1: I am one of those weirdos. I was actually born and raised in Delaware.
0: Oh, how about that?
1: In Wilmington, although I live oops, sorry near the radio station now, but I was born and raised in Wilmington. I went to P.S. DuPont High School, and then down here at the university, I went away, and then I came back.
0: Okay, what what part of Wilmington did you, did you did you grow up in?
1: I grew up in the ninth ward, which is oh, the I, ninth ward, I right? Know, For people who don't know, I
0: know ninth ward savings. That's uh, okay. Never... The
1: ninth ward is is that area along Market Street. Um, where does the ninth ward start? 12th, 16th Street, maybe the other side of the Market Street Bridge, eighteenth um, or or twentieth. Okay, and it goes all the way down. Uh, I grew up in the numbered streets on the west side as far down as 41st, West 41st Street.
0: Oh, uh, okay, okay.
1: The Ninth Ward changed its shape over the years, but uh, I started out on the east side, and then we moved further up.
0: In the P.S. area?
1: In the P.S. area, yeah.
0: What are your earliest memories of music? Do you remember? Uh, was there music in your household growing up? Yes.
1: People didn't play in my household, but my mother uh, was a dancer, and she, um, not a ballet dancer, she was, uh, you know, a jitterbugger. Jitter, or- uh, yeah, but ballroom. Okay. They were doing a big band dancing. She was, and she really liked to dance. So there was um, big band music in the house. But what my earliest memories are: um, Doris Day, "Once I Had a Secret Love," and uh, Judy Garland, "Over the Rainbow." The music from The Wizard of Oz in the early days, sure, and uh, the Golden Age of Broadway, South Pacific, Oklahoma—I remember those in the house. Mitch Miller,
0: sing along with Mitch.
1: My mother was a Mitch Miller fan, so mm. and Mitch Miller in those days played a lot of songs from the turn of the century. So I grew up, you know, after the ball and Toots Toots Tootsie, you know, and all, all these really old songs. Um, She was an Al Jolson fan, and Al Jolson was in our house. My father, on the other hand, didn't really bring music until I was a teenager. The earliest music that I remember from my father was a uh, record called In Port Said because my father's side of the family was Arabic, and so we listened to that a lot. Oh. Arabic popular music.
0: Was that vocal or instrumental? or Both. Okay.
1: Both. And um, he understood the words. We didn't. But, you know, it was there and it was at family gatherings on his side of the family, that kind of music.
0: So that presumes, so obviously there was a record player in your house. Mm-hmm. We kind of go back to basics here on this yes. uh, Jackie Confidential. So you had a record player. Was it uh, like a piece of furniture in there? No, that yeah.
1: came, uh, we never had a record player like that. We had a little television with a screen that, you know, must have been, I don't know, 15 inches or something, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it had a speaker. And when we watched TV, we used the speaker, and when we listened to the record player, which was a little square with a big fat spindle in the middle, and when we listened to the record player, white took the wires from the record player and attached them to the speaker, detached the television, and put it in the television speaker, and the music came out of the television speaker. Wow.
0: Was that homemade or was that no, planned? No, that was planned, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was planned. Pretty good. So when you say you had the big fat spindle, that means you could only, only play
1: 45s? 45s, yeah. In those days, we only played 45s. Sure. Of course, there was American Bandstand.
0: Well, sure, right, sure, <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> and we liked popular music. And the uh, since all music was on one station in those days, uh, we didn't have separate stations for different kinds of music. Everything was on the one station, and I'm assuming it was Wham's, waiting around all day for the Everly Brothers to be played again.
0: So we're talking the late 50s, right? Nin- uh, I mean-
1: 1956. Okay. I was seven. Wake up, little Susie. I got it for my birthday. I was so excited. I was just jumping through hoops.
0: Uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, did people play? Was there any live music in your house? No. No. Did you ever take any music in? Inst- uh, lessons of any sort? at any...
1: Uh, I took the flute for about five minutes and, um, having asthma, I found myself, um, you know, going into, what do they call that? A vagal state where you, you lose your breath completely. And, uh, they know now that are you doing a wind instrument when you have asthma? If, if you do it gently, it's better for your asthma. Uh-huh. In those days it was you're out of here, kid. I also took accordion as an adult, and um, I just couldn't buckle down.
0: I know know, what you mean.
1: I played the ukulele for five minutes when I was a teenager. Everybody did.
0: Do you remember hearing your first live music anywhere? My
1: first live music was, I was 11 years old. Well, other than Arabic music.
0: Now, where would you hear that?
1: at, at, uh, At a bar mitzvah. Oh, okay. At a family bar mitzvah, um, my first live music that I really, really remember was theater in the round, and I saw Joey Heatherton in Bye Bye Birdie. Wow! I was about eleven, I think, and that's the the first really live music that I remember. Though I'm pretty sure I did hear other live music. That was the only one that really I really remember.
0: That's good. Actually, oh. I'll just throw in here, probably be edited out, but one of my first memories on TV is the first Hullabaloo. Remember there was Shindig and Shindig and Hullabaloo, and Hullabaloo was coming on, and I knew that the Young Rascals were on. So and but I was still, my mother would come downstairs and say, "What garbage are you watching tonight?" And I'm like, "Oh, this is Hullabaloo. It's going to have the Young Rascals on." And the show started with Joey Heatherton, the camera close up on her bare midriff just gyrating. And I'm just hoping, like, please, please, can this bit just please end? And she goes, how long do we have to sit here? And then finally, the young rascals came on. Thank goodness. Anyway, so Joey looms large in our history. That's good. That's good. So you went to grade school. Why don't we just say where you went to grade school? Harlan. Harlan. Well,
1: I went to George Gray Elementary um, over on Thatcher Street, I think it is, on the east side, until uh, I finished fourth grade there. And then I finished up grade school at Harlan. And then on to p s, which was a six- year school.
0: musical taste changing? Are your listening habits changing? Is the radio station changing?
1: Well, I listen to um, a lot of country,
0: so when you say you're listening to country, you're talking about American country music American
1: country music. Well, Canadian has some very Canada has some very nice country music as well, oh, yeah. I mean, can, can, Canadian country, we don't think of uh, Canadian as can, Canadians as, you know, being cowboys. But, you know, they've got all those mountains and those prairies and, you know. Sure. they are plenty of cowboys. Sure. You know, and they have (laughs) (laughs) plenty of barn dances. And I think that their English, Scottish, and Irish roots are closer than ours. You know, closer in the generations. Our generations are further away from theirs. And so the music uh, is often... uh, Noticeably, noticeably in between Appalachian music and uh, mountain Scottish music, but it's somewhere in between. And then there's a whole genre in French Canada, okay. and in the islands uh, off the west coast, where they a lot they speak French a lot, but their music is uh, uh, the uh, their music is a sort of cross between Breton. Cape French. Uh-huh. No, well, Cape Breton, yeah. Well, well I'm the sorry. folks from Cape Breton are mostly Scottish and, and Irish, and they uh, speak a kind of uh, Gaelic there when they're speaking, and they sing in a kind of Gaelic. So there is a lot of real crossover there. But um, Brittany is one of the Celtic nations. Oh, and okay. a lot of the French that came, came from Brittany to Canada. And the music that they left us with, especially the Quebecois music, I play it on my show because a lot of it is, because its roots are really Celtic. I see. With this little uh, undertone of country. And it has uh, amazing um, beats that they do with their feet.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And, you know, like you see the Irish dance and the, and they, they make that clickety sound with their shoes. Well, Canadi- mm-hmm. uh, the French Canadians play and the songs are um, recognizably Celtic and French. But there is a beat that they do with their feet. Okay. And they do it while they're playing and uh, both feet going at the same time, doing something different, each foot doing something different. And it uh, lends an entire uh, element to the French Canadian music. It turns it into something else, right? But it is still very Celtic.
0: My my really limited knowledge of this comes from some of the acts I've seen at the Bluegrass Festival. The Carl's Mm -hmm. brought over. I mean, like uh, Natalie McMaster and people like that, all of whom have a dance component to yeah. And that that
1: is uh, the um, Cape Breton clogging. Which uh, uh, comes sort of from Scotland and Ireland. There's a, a tradition in Scotland, though you don't see it as much. There's a tradition of clogging. What we're really used to is Irish clogging, mm-hmm. but uh, there's uh, Ottawa Valley dancing. Wow! Oh, yeah. And when you when you look at them, you see what their arms are doing, something different. And of course, Americans have a great tradition of clogging, and so. Uh, they could all be doing it to the same tune, all with a different beat, but the same exact tune, ah. all with the same roots. and so it's pretty cool. I like it a lot
0: wow, so can so just to so to double back can you can you trace that to your interest in American country music in high school, or is that did you come? By, I think by that another my, way
1: I think that um when I was in high school, I used to go to sleep uh, with a bunch of albums on the spindle, and the albums were. Bob Dylan, Peter Paul and Mary, a Johnny Mathis, the soundtrack to West Side Story, just just to name a few.
0: Sure, sure.
1: All on the stack. So I've always mm-hmm. had a really eclectic taste, and the Bob Dylan, and you know, and Joan Baez. Joan Baez started singing British ballads, and she did them, and you know, this was the the part of the folk. Revival. Right. And she did them in a way that, you know, we are all, all swaying to Joan Baez singing, you know, these British ballads. that She sang Maddie Groves is one of them, or I Gave My Love a Cherry, or all these, you know, right. things like okay. that. But she also sang some uh, songs with a country twang. And then the New Lost City Ramblers show up, and all these other groups show up, and all of a sudden everything has got a little bit of. A Little bit of old timey in it, a little bit of Appalachia in it. And it got bigger and better. And the next thing I knew, you know, I was listening to Willie Nelson and as okay. you know, as as well as the other rock and roll. I think that I really started listening to English, and it was English folk rock. We went from Joan Baez to the next step, which was Fairport Convention, and then Steel I Span. And the, some of the songs that she was singing, Joan Baez sang, they were singing. Only they plugged it in. And they okay. sang it in a whole different way. And it was just so exciting. And so uh, I was listening to that. But I wasn't uh, buying a lot of records. I was just making sure that I got all of their records.
0: And you're still in high school then or now?
1: No, I was, yeah, I was, um, well, no, I might have.
0: Or probably, I guess, in 67, are we? 68? Yes, the summer of yeah.
1: 67 was, was Fairport Conventions first.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I knew they were there because I was listening to that every now and again. I would hear them, and I was very interested in the British invasion. Sure. And the music, a lot of the music that they played had roots in British folk. Sure. And a lot of the folk rock songs actually were Scottish ballads. So it was all... Kind of mixed up there, and then I went to um, Great Britain in 1969.
0: Oh, for what reason?
1: Just to hitchhike around Europe. Oh, um, good. You know, so I, uh, I, when you could do that, mm-hmm. with my copy of um, Fodor's England on a pound a day, uh. or, and my Europe on $5 a day, <laughs> or five, mm-hmm. yeah, $5 a day, and England on a pound a day. Anyway, um... Then I started listening and I started realizing that the songs that I was hearing that I'd been hearing really are historic songs. And I'd read a lot of English history in high school. I was just fascinated with certain periods. And all of a sudden, um, I was looking at these castles and the songs that I was had heard. And they were about the people from the books that I read in high school. And here I'm standing at in front of, you know, some ruin that had something to do with and and the song that I had heard from Fairport Convention, all of a sudden it tied together. And it just, um, well, I just loved it, along with, of course, a lot of other folk music. And then uh, I kind of lost the British thing and went into the new country, the new revival of country that uh, kind of was sort of led by... Oh, what's the name of that group with John, what's his, Nashville Cats?
0: Oh, John Sebastian, Love and Spoonful. And they kind Mm
1: -hmm. of uh, went that way, and then all of a sudden everybody was going that way, and people like Gene Ritchie started showing up, right, you know, they were all there. In front of you, we were hearing them on the radio, not the AM, but we were hearing them on the FM Mm because FM radio had come to us.
0: Right. That's where we're headed. Right. So, right. So let me, let me, this is one thing that's kind of common to a lot of the people I've been interviewing, but so you're in high school. At some point you're listening to AM and you're listening to country, I assume on AM. We're listening to WDSD or what was the country station back then? I wasn't,
1: I wasn't listening to country as such. What I was listening to was Gene Shea on WHAT.
0: Good. Okay, good, good. With the
1: transistor radio under my pillow so that I could get Philadelphia. Gene Shea did a folk show. And there was a man, uh, well, his name escapes me, on WBZ in Boston. Jefferson Kay, I think it was, did a a folk show on Sunday. And again, with the transistor under my pillow, hoping to pick up the 50,000 watts in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And I was absolutely hooked. And then they would play these ballads and... We would be hearing, you know, these, um, you know, Huddy Ledbetter and all these guys were being wow. dis- were being discovered.
0: And BZ's an AM at this point. It was an AM,
1: yes. Right, right. And And these people were all being discovered. And they were being played. And it was so exciting. So I'm listening to The Beatles and Brit Rock, what was Brit mm-hmm. Rock at the time. And then, of course, we had, you know, uh the Temptations and you know the Supremes and they Top were Top forty at you know, that all time all that stuff. Right. Um mm-hmm. uh, and I was uh always digging to try and find the albums that, you know, I was ordering albums from or singles from Scylla Black and and you know other groups oh, cool. that you couldn't get here. Sure, sure. Um and then where did we go from there? And then uh I went into this period where we you know we went from the, uh, Country rock. Country
0: in, rock, you're calling it, okay.
1: Country, uh, into a country rock, just into country. I kind of, the country rock kind of went away to me. I listened, you know, to things like Jackie Blue and stuff like that. Um, but I started listening to Tom T. Hall when I, I lived in Colorado Springs. I moved out there in 71. And I started listening to Tom T. Hall. And I started listening to people who were country then- but now, who are considered folk icons, Johnny Cash, and of course, there was always Chris Christofferson and uh, the Okie from Muskogee guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah,
0: sure. And, um, Merle Haggard. I'm sorry, Merle, Merle Haggard. Haggard. Yeah, right. And
1: so I was hearing the country station, and I was also hearing the what we were doing for rock at the time. You know, mm-hmm. which you know I was listening to. I had those albums as well. Then it just kind of drifted. I moved to the country. Really, really into the country in uh, deepest, darkest West Virginia. And uh, for a while, we didn't have electricity, so we, uh, you know, listened on the radio. And again, we met people who played music, and they played that kind of music. The like kind-
0: folk clubs, you were going no, to? Now, no, no, no,
1: no. I'm, I'm out. We're out in the woods. Oh, we're talking about on somebody's porch. Individuals, okay. Yeah, we're talking okay. about after taking the four wheel drive over a mountain. You know,
0: okay, good going
1: sitting in somebody's on somebody's place and listening to people play.
0: Somebody, someone who you met by, 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 Where by, I by you know, if by happenstance or was it part of a folk scene? Or uh, something? No, it was just or, part of or, a
1: scene of people who um, moved in from the city and got to know the locals. And uh, the people that came down from the city were, you know, playing folk guitar and the people, some played, some didn't. Mm-hmm. And the people um, who lived there. Played guitar and played fiddle, and they were, you know, they were playing what Carl Goldstein plays, and right. and these things, Mother Maybelle Carter, and and things like, and and we were listening, and then Willie Nelson came out with Redheaded Stranger, and we were just all blown away, and uh, it was a whole other level of country, which is now kind of folk, as part of the folk scene now, and and mm-hmm. and I can see the progression, and then I came back. Grew up, had a life, you know, and
0: Well can you put a year on it when you grew, when you came back?
1: I think I came back in January January of seventy seven. Okay. I came back and in September of nineteen eighty three, I think it was, uh, my son went to the Newark Center for Creative Learning and on Parents Night I met a couple who live in lived in Newark, live in Newark, um, who played music. They were from uh Kentucky. They invited me to their house and they were part of a group of people who played music together on a regular basis. And I was invited to their house. I didn't play, but I absolutely adored what they were playing. And I met Susie Wallenberg. And And I I should
0: say, just to say that Susie was one of the pioneers of playing folk folk music uh, on w- WVUD, WXDR, whatever it was at and the time, right?
1: we had uh, that in common, the music thing in common. Though Susie was a DJ, she was also a musician. She also studied music, and she was a music therapist. So she really knew right. music. I don't know a note from the hole in the ground. Um, I just know what sounds right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't know how to explain it, but I know what sounds right. And um, so then that from there um, I was going to music gatherings every week, was, every, once a month.
0: Was that organized or somebody's
1: or, house? Somebody would have it. Okay. And then somebody decided, and, and it was an, actually a, a University of Delaware employee, Brian McCandless, who decided to get together a group for playing Irish, and Celtic music. Chris Rewa, who was also a DJ here at the university, had a lot of music parties at her house. But um, after a while, uh, we were singing a lot of folk songs. But then uh, people wanted to start playing the new stuff that they were learning, the the, the Irish tunes. So uh, we kind of separated and we learned a lot of music together. And that's where I uh, came back to Celtic music, to a different end of Celtic music. And so here I am. <laughs> Chris Rewa said to me, why don't you become a DJ? And I said, me? I couldn't do that.
0: I don't know anything.
1: She said, I think you could manage. <laughs> and wow. so I tried. And here I am.
0: Well, you've really just traced the arc there, of the questions I normally ask without me even asking them. So, uh, let's see what else. Uh, I didn't ask you actually what, what record. What, do you remember the first record you bought with your own money? With my own money.
1: Could have been Sea of Love from Phil Phillips or okay, something like that. In
0: a 45.
1: Those Those—that's old rock and roll. Yeah, I didn't sure. start buying albums until I was in high school.
0: When you were in high school, was there any kind of a Wilmington music scene that you took? Did you go to coffee houses or anything like that? Or
1: I went up to um, the main point in Ard- Ardmore
0: right right
1: and I went to the second fret at 19th and Sansom I went to see Bob Dylan the year that he went electric was Is that 65 Is 65 uh, yeah yeah it was in Philadelphia and it was at one of the um the big halls I mean one of the theaters um he came out in his regular clothes and doing an acoustic set and after the break he came back in the in the suit that he had on the front of that album with leopard's pill, leopard, <Skin, leopard skin pill box, pill box hat, hat blonde. blonde on Blonde, that's mm-hmm. right. And he sang from Blonde on Blonde, and he was wearing that suit.
0: And were you expecting that?
1: Uh, we were hoping it because he had already uh, released the um
0: the single the
1: what well, yeah the single that yeah, they like
0: a Rolling Stone yeah okay but
1: the first time that I really remember going to do folk music I was much younger and I went to see Joan Baez and Bob Dylan sang with her at the arena in Philadelphia you know there was ice on the floor and they had pads over the ice and I think I was pretty young I wasn't driving. So I was younger than 16.
0: Wow. So Joan Baez sang and Dylan came out with her. Yeah, uh, at it some had point. to
1: have been like 1964, maybe.
0: Wow. All right. Well, I think then, unless you have something else to say, we'll we'll no. call it a day. Okay. It's been great talking to you. Well, it's thank you very, very much. Very interesting. That's the purpose of the show. Is here we're trying to find out about the disc jockeys' secret lives. So that's good. <gasps>
1: secret lives, indeed.
0: Right. It- yeah. All right, Alan, thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Something like that?
0: Good for you. That's yeah. good.
1: But I also went to see Sammy Davis Jr. and the Supremes at that, at that fa- fancy club that used to be over in Cherry Hill. Uh, Latin Casino. The Latin Casino, wow. yes. Wow. And I was quite young when I went over there. Now,
0: would your parents take you there? Or?
1: No, I went on um, two different trips. I think one was with Girl Scouts. <laughs>
0: Girl Scouts at the Latin Casino. Yes, Girl wow. Scouts.
1: I remember we had a very fancy dinner. And we were all dressed up. We felt really grown up, and we saw Sammy Davis Jr., and I just thought he was the bee's knees. And I can't remember when we went to see the other, but I remember we were dressed up, and there were a lot of people. So it must have been – it might have been sorority. I was I belonged to a high school sorority. Oh, high school sorority. High okay. school sorority. And I think it was uh, the Supremes that we saw. And uh, – um. That's what it was. It was the high school sorority. Wow, group. wow! Yeah. I was probably fifteen or sixteen. Again, oh. I didn't. I wasn't driving.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, good for you to yeah, end so up there. Wow. I,
1: I did see um, as much live music as could be managed. Yeah.
0: Good for you. Was there any local music in high school that is memorable or?
1: Well, I do remember the Enfields.
0: Okay, and did you see? And them? I
1: remember dancing to them in at, at dances. Oh, good. Yeah, I do remember the Enfields and dancing. There was always some band playing at PS at one of the. Of course, there were always a lot of records, but sometimes some of the juniors and seniors uh, had a band.
0: So, what year did you graduate from high school?
1: Sixty-seven.
0: I graduated in sixty-nine. All right. Well, yeah. Well, they were they were the de- they were the years um, for. Uh, I mean, they were psychedelic. I remember seeing psychedelic bands playing over in Newcastle. Like, I first saw a guy turn around and put his guitar up to the amplifier and just have it, you know, squeal for, you know, 10 minutes or something.
1: I guess I I must have remembered some because I do remember going, oh, I do remember going to uh, a nightclub. Um, I don't know if it was an under-21 nightclub or if it was just under-21 night. I think it was called the Brown Derby down along the river.
0: Oh, yes, sure.
1: And I remember going there.
0: Sure, yeah, there was a, they lost their liquor license but, but continued on. As a teen club for a while until I got there. But
1: I remember getting drunk as a skunk there, uh, being served there.
0: Well, I was in a band that played there, uh, I guess, twice, I guess. We were just like a little band.
1: What was the name of your band?
0: Actually, we were called The Overdose. We were called The Overdose back then. None of us, I'm almost positive, had ever even seen drugs. I'd ever seen marijuana nothing, but we called ourselves the overdose. But I remember the bands from north of Wilmington. I always say this, but they always seemed to have – because I grew up south of Wilmington. Right. North of Wilmington, they always had the really big speakers, like the voice of the theater speakers, and they would set up behind the bar and just – I remember some band called The Bards. That would be up your alley, maybe. Yeah, I do
1: remember the name, and but I, I may have been gone at
0: the time. I think they're big. They would do like – paint it black and just you know things that called for exotic instruments and lots of reverb and stuff like that. Anyway, how about that? The Brown Derby. I imagine four ninety five now goes over the brown derby, but And uh, the
1: roller rink and Lehman's Custard and all the things that we Edgemore Theater, all the things that we loved so much along mm-hmm. Governor Prince. Right. All gone.
0: Right. Right. All right. Well you know, I think that's I think that's kind of it. Um We've, let, let's 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 do a little bit of so you said that Chris Rewa Chris Riwa said you should come over and do a show so why don't we do you remember the mechanics of that how that worked or? well
1: you you have to uh they give you the book and you have to read it and then you have to take a test
0: whoa okay
1: you don't remember doing that um
0: you know, maybe it uh, was yeah. a,
1: it wasn't a hardbound book as I recall it was printed stapled together and you had to Study that, yeah. you had to know whatever, all this different stuff and mm-hmm. some rules and regulations. And you had to take a test and you had to pass, and then they sent you a license. And um, then you had to go into the production studio and do a show on real to real. And it, that's the part that was really hard was getting the real to real to work, getting your levels right. And doing doing a show, picking your music, and doing a show, and then that that's your audition. And then, if you were uh, deemed deemed worthy enough, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you could um, be on the air. And then, if they found fa- you, you know, you practiced kind of like we do today. You practiced with other people, and then you could fly solo. When I listened back to my. Uh, well, the first time, I, <laughs> the first time I did the Green Willow, I did it with Michael Dinsmore. It was uh, his show, and um, mm-hmm. it was like we were not in the same room. My head was—I don't know where it was—but you can hear it. He says something, and I—I I don't say thank you. I don't. It's like I didn't hear him, and I know he's talking to me, and I'm like in Never Neverland. So it, it was pretty funny. nobody would hire me. I'll tell you right now, nobody would <laughs> hire me. But I was making my tape. It was over Thanksgiving, and all the kids were gone, so I had lots of time to be in, in the um, production studio. And I did the whole thing and the tails out and the, you know everything you're supposed to do with the big reel-to-reel, and I did all it of my songs, and I had it all done, and I went to put it on, and nothing played. And I'm thinking, what did I do? I went just, you know, for two and a half hours, I'm going to do, trying to do a one-hour show. Mm-hmm so i go into the dj who happens to be mark ellis it's a sunday afternoon and he's playing the opera we used to have an opera program every sunday afternoon and he was running the opera but he was listening to the beatles in the studio and i went in and said help (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing and he looks at the reel and he says the tape's on backwards (laughs) so i did the whole show with the tape inside out Uh. and then i had to do it all again but it wasn't my fault i didn't turn it inside out i just didn't know enough to realize that when i picked up the reel the last person who had used it had put it on upside down
0: yeah right not the the
1: shiny side the the wrong side was sticking out
0: i see you yeah right you had said tails out earlier you said i did the show tails out and i thought we better we better explain that it means on a a roll of tape a certain part of the tape has to be sticking out visible to the naked eye yeah and you want the tails out because then (laughs) i can't that's as far as i can explain it yeah, it, well
1: you you want it so you know what you're doing and then you can right. thread it in the other machine. And um right, right. and I did it all, it's just that it it had been wound onto the spool inside out. So it, it, Right, <laughs> right,
0: right. Well that was so that was your first meeting with Mark Ellis? That so was my first
1: meeting with Mark Ellis. And look at us, we're having our thirtieth wedding anniversary in a week.
0: Wow. Well congratulations. Thank you. That is that's amazing. I, I'll just throw in that Mark has has also been with the station on the same amount, of, or, well, 40, or more than you, I guess. 41
1: yeah. years, I think, now.
0: Yeah. So. Currently, he's doing the Morning Fog. And
1: And he's uh, the, uh, well, he'll tell you, he's the blockhead. Yeah, sure. For, but, just, um,
0: but your shows will run separately. I just want to, I don't yeah. want to leave people hanging.
1: And he's kind enough when he comes in, he's kind enough to read my announcements when he's able to come in with me. Sometimes I get short of breath because I'm asthmatic and so when I'm reading a oh, lot I see. Okay. I'll start to cough. It just it's terrible on the air. So mm-hmm. he's kind enough to read my announcements when he comes oh, in. That's nice.
0: <laughs> so you and so you do your show, uh and it's and it's the green willow. Uh and I, I guess how about has your show changed at all since you started? I mean at all or
1: Well, I yeah, I did go from um you know, the very newest, what was new at the time, and there were, wasn't a lot, and so a lot wasn't coming in, so um, I was counting the, um, you know, there are 12 cuts on each album, you know, so you, you ended up playing a whole lot of the same people because you only had so many, you know, and, and I was collecting I them, but there a wasn't... A limited library. There yeah. was. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that much. Mm-hmm. Um and then people started recording like there was, you know, and mm-hmm. there were so many different companies in Scotland, particularly in Scotland, that were sending tons of CDs. And then the recession hit in 2006? Eight. 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 Mm-hmm. And now I have to go uh, trawling, and trolling <laughs> for, um, for CDs. I put a lot of things um on my computer they'll send me uh, something to and but i am not that tech savvy so i will download it on my computer and then i will put it on a disc so that i can sure play it sure and that um it's cheaper than buying them you know at full price but you don't get any liner notes so it it's you know there's, there's the presenting presenting the music you want to tell a little about what you're playing, but um, I don't believe that your show should be a tutorial.
0: No, I agree.
1: And uh, so sometimes when I don't have the liner notes, you have to look it up yourself if you're really interested in the subject. But, right. you know, the whole idea is to get the music from wherever I can get the music from so that I can play it and so that musicians can um, be heard and then they can make a living.
0: Sure. And are you uh, involved with the, the group, the Green Willow group? I've been on yep. the
1: Green Willow Folk Club board ever since. It's been a um, a nonprofit. I don't know. The, this is the 35th year, our 35th year. Okay. I'm pretty sure we've been uh, a nonprofit for, it's got to be more than 20, maybe 25. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was at the first concert, and um, I volunteered
0: and that's All mainly, those years, and that's yeah. mainly what you do is you bring acts over to perform over here. Yeah,
1: over here. Um, I have stepped down from creative director, but I'm still, you know, doing the same stuff except for I'm not negotiating the groups. Sure, as I sure. was. But uh, well, that's
0: good. I mean, that's a great contribution to the yeah. local music scene. For I don't sure. know
1: what I'd do without it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so bound up with the Green Willow Folk Club, and with my show with the radio station, you know, uh, when I retired from my job, it was like, well, now that's out of the way. <laughs> now I I can get back to my real work.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. You know. Well, good. That's good.
1: Um, I prefer, mostly prefer old-timey to bluegrass. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, it's all according to the mood I'm in. Right.
0: Well, just, I mean, any regular listener to WVUD knows that we make distinctions like that. Do you want to make, do you want to explain for maybe some strangers that might be listening?
1: Oh, God, John could probably explain this better. Old-timey seems closer to um, the real folk, and uh, bluegrass ga- seems to me like the um, more modern Right, maybe the rock and roll of of uh,
0: folk. Or I was going to say maybe jazz influenced a little bit or <laughs> yeah. something. Long solos I mean, or you know yeah. long, longer solos. Yeah,
1: well, um. and uh, the instruments have a lot to do with um, with the music, and I do I do like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like those old tunes better. Uh, the old the old timey tunes with the words that you know. Oh, the, all the Happy War, Dead Girl songs, you know. They're, they're the same, mm-hmm. uh, actually. A lot of those songs are the same in um, in British lore and Celtic lore. The uh, ha- Happy War, Dead Girl. I see. You know, dead boy songs. And uh, the songs from Appalachia, most of, well, a lot of them came from Great Britain. So they're uh, often even the same words but just with a different accent and a different tempo. And so uh the songs I just like both of them. Sure. Yeah, sure.
0: I really. The um